Welcome to another episode of the Physically Jacked Financially Stacked podcast. Really excited to have Joe Marcuse on the podcast from the Sales Dojo. Joe is a master sales trainer. is going to give us tons and tons of value to make sure we can get more prospects over the line so we can make sure we have that more value change in our lives and remove. One of the things we'll talk about today is trying to prevent uh, objections coming up before they come up uh, and you're having to tackle that beast. So thank you very much for your time, Joe. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, Charlie. It's always great to see you, man. You always look jacked, dude. I mean, I gotta. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been training really hard the last uh, three and a half months. I actually, I'm, I will say that I am practicing what we all preach. I brought on a coach, and I'm a former Mister Natural Canada. It doesn't matter when you have a coach, you get shit done right. And yeah, I've been accountable, and uh, I'm. I'm dropping the pounds where I want to drop them, and uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. We're practicing yeah. what you're. I'm making. letting. I'm letting go of the weight. I'm not losing it. I'm just letting it go. We don't lose weight because if you lose the weight, guess what? Your brain tells you to do: go pick it up and find it. So tell your clients that. You know, other coaches—they're going to help you lose the weight, and then when you get off, you know, you're going to have to go find it. Now, your coaching's different. One of the things you said before the call that a lot of people struggle with is the discovery process is really poor in terms of. Um, yeah, identifying the client's real needs and what their wants are and the real pain points. Um, what would you say is the best way to make sure you're, you're digging in the right places, if it makes sense? So you need to have a roadmap. So your sales roadmap, and and this is this is what's interesting, Charlie, is that most people when they're they, they think about sales, even now, even if you have lots of clients, there are times where people don't feel right. So you got to have the right mindset and you've also got to feel right about it. So what I mean by that is you go into the conversation of how am I going to help this person? And before you could start asking tough questions, you've got to build a rapport with them. Like just get to know them. What questions can you start asking someone right off the hop where you just build a common bond? And then as you're asking these questions and you're shooting the breeze and you're finding out about them because Let's face it, you can say, so what's your goal? And they might tell you, well, I want to drop 20 pounds. You've got to have a conversation with them before that. And then when they say 20 pounds, we all know it's more than 20 pounds. And, not, and I'm not saying more than t- the number. It's It means more to them. There's something deeper behind that. And once we dig into that, we can do what I like to call ob- objection prevention. And I'm not saying elimination prevention so that we could reduce, if not in some cases, remove all objections prior to telling them about our program and then offering them the ability to come in and here's a, here's my price. And what a lot of people don't do is they don't dig in deep in the conversation. They don't practice. So Charlie, let me ask you, so if I said to you, so Charlie, tell me a little bit about your fitness journey. I used to be overweight as a child. I managed to lose some weight when I was in my early 20s. I then went into a uh, full-time corporate job and ended up regaining all the weight back again. Okay, so you, you've just opened up the door to a lot of stuff. So I, right? And then I'm, I'm going to go, okay, so describe to me some of the foods that you ate back when you were a kid. Pop-tarts. And you just started having fun with it. Yeah, Pop-Tarts, orange juice, Ben & Jerry's. Cereal. Oh, Ben and Jerry. So real, you know, right? So the, and I, again, we need to be interested. So like Charlie, really, when you when you mention Ben and Jerry's, what's your favorite flavor? Fish food. That, really? That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, and we get into that and now it's, 
I'm going a little off only to bring you back in. And then I would say, so, so describe to me what it would be like to be able to have a program where you could actually have your Ben and Jerry's fish food once in a while and feel guilt-free. Describe to me what that would feel like for you. Like having my cake and eating it. Right. Like you've heard the adage of you can't have your cake and eat it too, which makes no freaking sense to me whatsoever. Wouldn't it be great to be able to have the cake and eat it too? How would, that, how would you feel about that? My life would be complete. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you, so, you know, the, what I'm using is a, is a method that's called the TED method. And it's not practiced enough. And it's tell me, explain to me, describe to me. It's a tactic. And yet what happens with the tactic of this is if you don't practice it, then what happens is you, you don't feel it. And this is the part that a lot of people, you know, if you, if you understand what the idea behind the concept, the law of attraction is I, I have to feel good to attract people to me. I've got to think right to ask the right questions. And when you blend that together, it's no amount of marketing will work as good as what I'm talking to you right now. Your best source of marketing is sales. You're, I'm going to say that again. Your best source of marketing is sales because you get to ask, Charlie, so you've been on the program now for 60 days, for 90 days, for 180 days. Who do you know who that would also love to get the same results that you've got? Let's take, a, let's take your after picture. And, and then, then what are we doing now to help you sustain this? Because you don't want to make the, the cardinal sin that everybody makes with these other coaches. You leave the program when you hit your goal. What's your long-term plan? And so where did I go with this? I started off just having a conversation with you. And then all of a sudden I found out that when you were a kid and then you, you love fish food and I'm just building rapport with you, I'm, I, I could see you smiling, right? This is why I highly encourage coaches to have Zoom calls with people as opposed to being on a phone call with them. It's 55% of the way we communicate is body language and allow people to see you smile and grin a little bit and go, okay, I understand and, and allow people to see this. And what's interesting, like people don't practice this, Charlie. So I'll ask you, like you're as a coach and you're coaching others, have, do you play golf at all? Have you ever golfed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to play good. Okay. So when, when you, let's say you went and saw a golf pro and the golf pro says, okay, I can see that you have this challenge with your game. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to change the grip on your club. The first few times that you try this new swing with this new grip, you're going in what's called the terror barrier. The terror barrier is like your body's going, what the WTF is going on? This feels wrong. Yet the ball's going straight and the ball's going farther. It feels terrible. It's going straight. It's going further. This is the same thing with the training that we do. We're helping you develop these new concepts that at first you got to break through the terror barrier so that when you get into these conversations, you can ask the right questions and your tone and your body language are such where you're literally able to put a spell on people. Like words are spelled, right? And they're also spells. And it's powerful. And if you don't put in the practice, well, then you're winging it. And if you're winging it, then your results are going to suck. That makes sense? Yeah, 100%. Do you think um, phone closures should always use scripts or more like prompts and questions as like a framework? 
it's it's a framework. I think that in the concept of a script to start, you can have a script. We have a script for our company. I say our because I have a team. Most of the people now don't need the script anymore. They've got the script. What we want is it's a framework. It's a roadmap. And you can always go back to it as, where am I right now? I don't have to sit there and read it. The intention is do it this way, start it this way, you imitate it. And it's no different than playing a piece of music. If you're a musician, you'd understand that you've got to look at the, you've got to look at the notes and understand the notes. Then you take the sheet music and you throw it away and then you just play it with the passion and the authenticity that you bring. So you still have to know where is this song headed? You can't change the notes, although you can change the rhythm, you can change the tone, you can change the beat. And that's the same thing with a, with a, I don't like to even call it a sales conversation anymore. I want you to call it a buying conversation. I want people to come to me and they're compelled to buy. Like, Charlie, do you like being sold? No. No. And do you think anybody listening actually likes to try to convince people? I don't want to have to convince anyone. There's, if there was a way to be able to structure questions where people weren't feeling, and again, coming back to that, that word, that feeling of, of discomfort while looking to help someone, whereas now I'm just coming to the table where I know these are going to be tough questions for them and that they are feeling what I'm feeling and we build that rapport and common bond, I can do, people will buy. And that's the difference. And and we talked about this earlier. What's the business been like for a lot of people over the last seven to nine months? It's been challenging. Yeah, slow. And so now every guest or what some people might call lead or prospect, I like to call them guests because they're only customers or clients when they pay you. Every guest counts. Everyone. And also, like the way I like people to think is that you could use your your wording. You can use guests, acquire more guests. If you do a really good job, they sign up. They can absolutely bring their buddies along as well, right? And then that's 100%. that's not a sales conversation. That's a buying conversation. Absolutely. And so we, the, you know, the 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 trying to convince people, people are talking too much, and they're dropping all of their details and what they can do and how they can do it, and that's being pushy. So what's, instead of pushing someone, how can I come in where, hey, I'm attracting them and you can see it, you can see it on their face. And what, where does it come down to? It comes, people aren't buying the program as much as they're buying you. But what is it that you've done that has given people that, hey, I, I gotten to know you. So that's your social media. You've done really well. And then they like what they see. Now they get on the call with you and they just need to confirm, can I trust this person? Like, is this, is this person really trustworthy? And they're going to, they're going to know immediately in conversation, which is why I buy in conversation as opposed to trying to sell. And what do you think is the biggest thing that builds trust and credibility? Do you think that has to be established before the call or like, say for example, we run quite a lot of cold paid advertising. So that is something that we find a challenge that we're like effectively dragging people off of the internet and then trying to sell the fitness program sometimes. Yeah, I, I can't speak to everybody's business. I can say that old DMs 
is a long haul. And I think people are starting to get very savvy on that. And so we're, we were talking about webinars even previously where you could deliver tons of value and you could give, give, give. And what ends up happening is people are, don't want to be sold. And so what's, what's the winning combination is you have to give even more. I know this sounds completely counterintuitive. You have to come to the table of how much more can I give so that people can get results in advance? And then what's the missing piece that they can only get through me? And what is, what's the missing piece for most people? We, they love, I, I hear the word accountability. That definitely is something that holds people different from other coaches and whatnot. So how do you, how do you put the words accountability in such a way where it doesn't sound like accountability? Because there are people that don't want to be accountable and yet they still want the results. And it comes back to building a friendship. Because instead of accountability, it's, I don't want to let you down. Does that make sense? Because it's you pay for the accountability. But if I really like you, right? No like and trust. So if I really like you, I don't want to let you down. And so as a coach, those those coaches that are listening or anybody who's in, in sales for that matter, if if they're signing on to your program, do you think they want to let you down? Anybody who does, if, if they look up to you as someone who, hey, I really want to be around this person and they're paying you, like they don't want to let you down, man. Unless you're just in it for the money, they'll they'll figure it out. And they'll, they'll, there's people that are program jumpers. And then there are people that are loyal. They're loyal because they've gone to the point where they love you. And because they love you and they feel so strongly about you, they're, they're, they don't want to let you down. They won't leave because they, they don't want to let you down. That's a good place to be when you're delivering value. I'm saying, what would you say is the biggest mistake people make when like trying? Do you think people just generally don't give enough value before the call as well? In terms of like people aren't warm enough when they come on. That that could be part of the 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 issue. Again, there's some there's some coaches where they'll take any lead that they can get. There's a difference between being busy and being productive. So my suggestion is. There's no, if you tell me, Charlie, would you rather be getting the ideal client or do you just want to be able to fill up your calendar and say, yeah, I've got like 60 calls this week. What would your preference be? You'd only have calls you could actually close, but there's a waste of time. So, what, yeah, what, and, and I, for the listener, how does it feel when you waste your time or somebody doesn't show, even worse, somebody does show, you spend a whole bunch of time with someone who's just not the right fit because we can't, we cannot take everybody on. It's impossible. What does that feel like? It's draining. It's like the uh, energy vampire scenario, right? It almost yeah. ruins your day to a degree. So we've taken on, we've taken on this approach, Charlie, where, where our live sessions right now, we're, we're only allowing one guest to come in per session. And so depending on the week, I could I, I could literally say I'm only will vet people to, you know what? I'm only allowing one person. So that's six people that are coming in this week. That's it. Yet the closing ratio is incredibly high because I th this is this becomes my ideal client. And I would rather have that 
than run around, run around, and 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 you know, wasting a ton of time in in the DM when I could just have fewer conversations going because they're real conversations. I I've seen coaches tell me, oh yeah, I've I've let co- conversations slip. They haven't replied to somebody for two weeks because they got too many of them going on. It's uh, quality over quantity. Do you believe ever in a, a two call close? Yes. And and the the context is this, um, and, and it depends. Yes, you can do a one call close if someone gives you all of the signals. A two call close can definitely work, and I I think that you can have a clarity call and confirm with someone that yep the, you're you're the right fit, and yet if you have another call back to back, I mean my suggestion by the way is most people take way too little time on a clarity call. They, 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 they try to jam it so that in 10 to 15 minutes, it's over. You can actually get the majority of the discovery done on the clarity call. If you, if they're on the call with you and you really build no like, and trust during that time, then your secondary call, it's semantics. They're already, they're already ready on that second call. So you could decrease the second call and really do the work on the front front end. So it, if you want to get more calls, a strategy could be instead of, and again, instead of setting up a 30 minute call for a clarity call, because most people are less apt to book that, you could book a 10 minute call. And then at the beginning of it say, Hey, Charlie, listen, if things are going really well with our conversation, I've actually got an additional 15 minutes that I've left open. Are you opposed using a no oriented question? Are you opposed to maintaining that conversation if things are going well? No, I'm not opposed. Okay, great. And then you jump into your conversation. And I would rather give myself a little bit of extra time without giving that person that feeling that they're being rushed or felt like a number. Right now, I would rather have quality, ideal clients than a packed calendar and not having the right vision. What do you feel is the main reason most people struggle with phone closing? With phone closing? Yeah. They're getting off the track. Period. I've, I've, I have a, I've seen. I, I we'll do call audits. So if if anybody's interested, I mean, I can tell you this. It's it, this is where you literally are opening up your kimono. I will take the call recording. So if you're not recording your call, that's 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 a big no no. The other thing is, g- give it to someone. Give it to a professional. So we do this. And we've seen multiple calls where people are off the rails. They're trying to take shortcuts or we could see that the energy changes. We could feel the energy change on the recording. You can see it in people's faces. Or if there's a little bit of resistance, then the coach takes on this different persona where they, they're, they're dropping their price too early. They're asking the wrong question. The sequence of questions are wrong. So the discovery, there's openings that happen just like you gave the example of, I was a young guy, I was overweight as a kid, took on this job and all this, added all this weight. There's so many, there, there were at least three opportunities for me to start digging deep. And most coaches just hear that, they move on. And I'm looking at you right now on Zoom. I see you've got a pen and it's, it's an example. Take notes. Even if you have a photographic memory, if I'm doing this, Charlie, and I'm taking notes of the things that you're saying, even if I had a photographic memory, what is the message that I'm that I'm saying? Actively you? listening, right? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. The problem with the problem with most people that are actively listening is what do they usually do when they actively listen? Ganoli dog. Right. And and what does this mean? They're agreeing. Yeah, it means yes. And so at times, then all of a sudden, this is an example of the grip feeling weird. Then when somebody says, wow, you know what? I didn't think it was going to be that, that, that much money. Uh, <laughs> and I'm agreeing with them. It's like, yeah, this is the type of stuff that I see on calls all the time. And it's like, stop. And it, it, people don't realize it. If 55, the science, I, like the science is fact. 55% of the way we communicate is body language. 38 is tone. Everybody's caught up on the script. Just grab a blueprint of what your sales roadmap should be. Follow the blueprint. You don't have to follow the script to a T. Be authentic. Be yourself. And practice your tone and your body language. And you have to feel it. This is literally, the, there are laws that are irrefutable. It's whether it's science or it's the law of attraction, which for some people are like, that's a little out there. Jonas, listen, Charlie, you're in a, you're prime example of how the law of attraction works. You've chosen to live in Dubai. What's the energy in Dubai for you? Uh, super high frequency. But, so what's the frequency that some people have when they get on their sales calls with people? The flat as a pancake. And so going in, they're already on an uphill battle. What would it mean for that someone to be able to show up to a call and their energy is such where it attracts, it's that high frequency that people want to be around? An easy thing that I do, which is, which is a bit weird, but I do like 10 push-ups before. So I'm like, my heart rate's up and I'm like awake. That makes sense. Yeah, you can tell I'm standing up. Yeah. Like when I, when I, what, there, there are times if I'm going to be on a podcast, if I'm going to be in, in an interview, unless it's a, Hey, we're sitting down on, you know, on stage and on purpose, they've set up the, the, the lounge chairs to be that way. That's, that's, that's a different story in this context. The energy has to be attractive. And the, the way that we ask questions, we need to make it so that it's memorable because they're going to get off the call, especially on a two-call close, and they need to be so fired up that they're already ready to make the decision to say yes. What is a sale? What is a buying conversation? It's a structured conversation where we're just helping people make the decision to say yes. It's what it is. What would you say in regards to people, like tonality is a big thing. Um, have you got any suggestions or anything like that you teach to help people be better at closing? Yeah. I mean, tone is 38% of the way that we communicate. There are things that, again, it takes practice. Once you get to a level of mastery of this, it becomes more memorable. And I'm, I'm doing it right now. If I was just monotone in the way that I had a conversation with someone, people would forget very quickly the way that I was speaking. And yet if I brought to you your smile, so, and yet if I bring to you a way of conversation where it's more melodic, go back to the idea of music. If you've ever had a song get in your head and it just stays there all day, you can do that in sales. You can do that in conversations where you could be stuck in somebody's head all day. And tone is 
a beautiful thing for memory. And it, it incites people because again, it's it draws out an emotional response. People buy based on emotion and they justify it with logic. So they buy based on emotion. So what can I ask and how can I ask it in such a way where it draws an emotional response out, out of someone and then they're excited. So you're, you're, you're proof positive of that, Charlie. You're in, in that space where you live because of the high frequency. Can you bring that high frequency to a call without feeling pushy? Yeah, you can. Do you see a difference between selling products, business or consumer versus business to business? So for example, if you were selling fitness products to help people lose weight or you're selling a business product to help people make money? Yes, there is there is a difference and it depends on when it's a business product, it depends on a corporate space. Like we do corporate training as well. So the on the corporate end, the sales cycle is longer and there are other people involved. That doesn't mean that the rules of handling the objection are any different. It's the same. So the spouse objection, I need to go speak to my wife. I need to go speak to my husband. We've you're you're, you're smirking, so you know you you've heard it before. Right? There's an well, expression on uh, sales calls, right? It's like, when every call someone's getting sold, it's either the buyer or the seller. And that, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. It, it's if you, go, if you go back to the movie Boiler Room, where you know either you're selling them some stock or they're selling you on why they're not buying it. Either way, a sale is made on every call you make. So who's going to close? You or them. All right, that's it. I'm done. Now be relentless, right? That's what he says. It's a great, it's a great scene. And it's true. We need to be relentless in our pursuit of being better at articulating. And the sales cycle for business to business, even though it's longer, this, the rules still apply. There's a roadmap. And if you're running into the spouse objection, for example, the rules still apply, whether it's I need to speak to my spouse or I need to go speak to my boss. I need to speak to accounting. I need to speak to whoever. It's the rules will still apply and you can still close. And most people are breaking the rules, but they don't know the rules and they don't practice the rules so they can get better at it. Because you can time collapse this whole thing. That's the beautiful thing about it. I'd rather work less and make more. I don't know why people are feeling like they need to have, you know, they're busy, busy, busy as opposed to being productive. It just seems bizarre to me. And there's a lot of mindset work that people need to do from old wounds around money or just this idea that they 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 need to work 40 to 60 to 80 hours a week to be able to make have a six or seven figure business. You don't. And by that, do you mean booking in prospects that should be booked in? Correct. Or spending time doing activities that really don't make sense when it comes to the lifeblood of your business, which is sales the end of it all, you can cut, you can only cut expenses so far, especially in an economy where things are slowing down. Okay. What doesn't change is you still need to have people buy from you. And so you know, we were talking about, yeah, there's a season right now that we're, we're, we're seeding and we're, you know, and, and, and we're, we're reaping, right? So right now, Hey, we're, we're sowing, right? We're putting in the, we're putting in a lot of time to be able to nurture people so that eventually we'll get to a, di a different economy. That's okay. Right now then, why would I want to spend so much time forcing leads to come on calls that just aren't a good fit? 
better off better off focusing on who's the ideal person that I want, putting it at a price that really makes a lot of sense. That's very much what we've done with our business model. One of the big platforms we really crush it with is LinkedIn. Yeah. Exact reason, because the people who come from that platform are professionals. You don't tend to price objections and they take it. Like if they're on the call, they're serious because they value their time. They're not going to be tire kickers, if that makes sense. Right. Right. And the, and the LinkedIn clientele of which I, you know, again, I do, I do very well on that one as well, because they're, these are business people. These, I, I do deal with a lot of coaches in a variety of different industries, not just the health and wellness industry, although health fitness, I was telling you prior, prior to, to recording, the health practitioner has really taken off. We, I, sleep dentistry. I didn't even know this was a thing. I got asked to go speak at a sleep dentistry conference back in January with, for people with sleep apnea. It's this massive blue ocean of challenge that we're able to help these dentists who are helping so many people that don't have enough sleep. They're not sleeping in the same room with their husbands or wives. I mean, these are these are serious problems, and these are high ticket items like a sleep appliance, dental appliances. You now they're around five k. And when somebody's thinking about getting a CPAP machine, so it, so whether it's products or services, the rules are all the same. We need to have people buy from us as opposed to feeling sold. When you do have people come up with objections, what do you think the main objections people are probably going to have are what would be like price, fast objection, they need to generally think about it, um, yep. or lack of self-belief that they can, they can yep. do it. How would you handle those four objections? Yeah, so there's three different categories of objections overall. There's the external forces of time and money, right? They say, I don't have time, I don't have money, I can't afford it, it's expensive. What kind of price can I get? Is this ever go on sale? That's one. Number two is the, is the internal fears. Why do people give you an objection, Charlie? Because um, they don't believe they can do it. Right. They're afraid. They don't believe it. If you're a coach and you're listening to this right now, here's the thing. They don't have to believe that they can do it. They have to believe that you can get them there. Certainty, right? Absolutely. Certain. So in other words, I am certain so much in my program that I guarantee it or your money back. It's guaranteed or you don't pay. So I know the program works. That's certainty. If somebody says to me, I'm not sure about my ability to let go or drop this weight. It's like, you. I want you to have the conviction and that sense of obligation, and this comes back to feeling with the right tone, you don't have to know that you can do it. You just have to know that I can help you do it. That's the job of the coach. So then you've got, again, external forces, internal fears. Then you've got other people's power. People give up their power. And this is where they say, I've got to speak to someone else. I've got to speak to my spouse. And, and then beyond all of that, and so how do we handle these objections? two steps and these the the blueprint is so easy we acknowledge people and too many salespeople or too many coaches forget this valuable piece they jump right to a question so it's, it's you know what charlie I, I really like the idea of it it's just it's it's a lot more money than i would have thought and people go what are you comparing it to or compared to what 
and that becomes abrasive. And if you just took the time to acknowledge the person first and say, well, Charlie, I really appreciate you letting me know your situation right now. I'm just curious, are you suggesting that this is something that's a little on the expensive side, or are you suggesting that this is just a question of cash flow to make it affordable? What I want to do is I want to isolate what the objection was, because when somebody says it was more money than I thought, I'm not sure if I'm I'm being compared or if this is just a situation that I can help them with. And then using body language, if they say, well, it's just more money than I, than I can afford at the moment, it's our job with conviction. And you'll note that if you play this back, I don't use a lot of filler words. Filler words like, you know, uh, um, stuttering. What happens when you use those types of words? If you're familiar with Jordan Peterson, he would tell you the same thing. You lose your level of authority. So I can see you guys down. Absolutely. And so this is all part of the practice process. And so when we acknowledge first, and even if it's scripted at first to understand how you handle this specific objection, even if it was scripted at first to get to a point where you have the notes so that you don't have to look at the notes anymore so you know the song and you can play the music, that's the deal. That's really the deal. So objection prevention, absolutely you need it. And you need to know how to handle the objections when they do come up. Because if you don't, and then all of a sudden it's stutter, stutter, um, uh, uh, and everything else like that, your authority drops like a brick and you've lost. And all that time that you've spent building your authority in the eyes of this person who truly needs your help, it's, it's a question of ob obligation. I come to this conversation obliged to help. And when people are feeling that comfortable, they will buy. And so how can you articulate your words? Yeah. Just speaking clearly and concisely, right? It's knowing what to say and how to say it. The script or the words are only 7% of the solution. 93% of the problem that most people listening to this right now, they don't even realize that they have the problem unless they were listening to their call recording or if they just came and practiced for themselves, they would see it. And these little things add up. The body language is way off. You're sending a mixed message. When you have that level of certainty, Charlie, for example, where you've gotten a streak of sales and all of a sudden you're like five out of five, six out of six, seven out of seven. You're smiling right now. All of a sudden it's like you can't do wrong. If you're at two out of four or two out of five or two out of 10, it changes the way that you come to these conversations. Your, it, your energy's off. The vibration's not a high frequency vibration. It's a low frequency. And people pick up on that. I, I got 15 in a row, I think, uh, start of the year and around Christmas. And I literally was at the point where I was like, I could fucking close anyone I felt like at the point because you were so, I was so confident that like, right. I could, I could sell sand to the Arabs. I was fucking good. That, that, <laughs> and then you have a bit of a funny streak and then suddenly it goes and it's, it's uh, overcoming that psychological barrier is an, an interesting challenge. Most people that we're dealing with are in that same boat. We'll have, we've got members in the dojo that have been at this now for 
in our program for three years and they won't leave because sometimes they do fall into a slump and we help them immediately get out of it because they're not aware that they've started developing these ticks or these habits. And all of a sudden it's like, can I show this to you? Or we're doing it live and we're saying, stop, back up, try that again. It's no different than golfing. Change your grip. You've gone back to this old habit and old habits die hard. We need to create the right habit so that people feel good. It comes back to how do you feel? What's the vibe? It's like going to a party or going to a, a place of business or going to a mastermind. When you go to your mastermind, Charlie, what's the vibe? High energy, high frequency. Right. And so how do we recreate that on every call? One thing I think that works really well with that is, is for my sporting days, the same thing is I have exactly the same, same setup for everything. So I'll do... I have to wear the same watch, use the same pen. I do 10 press-ups. So like, yeah, I'm really OCD about that. And when I used to work in real estate, I was really weird about having the same fucking tie on that I thought was lucky or something weird. Because you get superstitious, I think, sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, there's some studies that we've done and that we've picked up from other people that have done the superstitious studies within sports and within sales and within music. You can see these people, for example, uh, it's not Federer, it's Nadal. He actually, when he sits down in tennis, we show this video in one of our sessions where he actually has to have his specific bottles of Evian water. The labels have to be facing each other. And it's been noted for years. And if somebody walked up to the bottles and they moved one of them, he would stop, go over put the bottle back and then get back to playing. It's just Dumbo and the magic feather, right? It works. You, whether it's right or it's wrong, it doesn't matter. How does it make you feel? I'm And I'm all for changing your state. There's a reason why, I, again, I come back to, I'm standing up. It changes my physical state. To do 10 push-ups or to do 10 squats before you get on a call, it changes your state. And these are all a bunch of little things that make a huge difference to the way you feel and the way you feel when you vibrate at that level of energy attracts. You can work less, you can sell more or have more buying conversations when you're in the right frequency. Uh, question for you, do you have any sales books you'd recommend? Yes, yes, <laughs> lots. Um, so I would, I would go into uh, Persuasion by uh, Robert Cialdini. I would go into The Go-Giver by uh, Peter Kine, The Go-Giver. Um, another one that I recently, this is, again, for me, this, is, this was something that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm Even as a speaker, and I've been doing speaking engagements now for close to 25 years, I recently took a, I joined another mastermind for speakers and improving my ability to speak. And it's Expert Speaker by Majid Magarabin. Your ability to speak will have a profound effect on your ability to create buying conversations. So of course, speaking from the stage, speaking from your device will play on that. Now, Majid's book is more of for the speaker. So if you're a speaker and you are, Charlie, I would highly recommend it. And Majid's 
Vegeta's a great guy. That's getting ordered straight after this. That's like, what? There's two more. Yeah. I already have a persuasion, but I haven't read it yet. I have this okay. habit of like people recommend books, I just buy them all, and then I, I get to them eventually at the right time. Well, and it's funny. Yeah, I, I just finished. I'm I'm listening to Limitless by Jim Quick right now on Audible. And last month, I was listening to Get Different, which is a marketing tactics book by Mike Michalowicz. And I really appreciated what I learned in that, in the sense that being different is the only way that you're going to be able to set yourself apart. How many coaches actually exist, Charlie, in your space? Uh, quite a few. Yeah. And so what do we do to set ourselves apart? So we, I know that for my business, there's things that are specific to the way that we do that nobody else does. Nobody does what we do. Because they're either A, they're too afraid to do it, or B, it's the same rhetoric, which is spend more money on ads, spend more money on ads, spend more money on ads. And I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. You do not have to spend more money on ads. But the value comes in personal brand and who you are. Like, that is not a sale because people want to work with you, not selling them, right? Exactly. Exactly. And what's that level of conviction, that belief? If people come into the conversation, regardless of all the tactics that we teach, if you come into the conversation without having that level of confidence, you're doomed. If you can build up the confidence because now you are able to articulate, you're able to communicate, when you have confidence, you can have the conviction. When the leader arrives, people relax. That's a good saying. Like, so people do want to be led. They're coming to us for help. So just freaking lead them. And you got to earn the right to do so. You got to earn the right to pitch. You got to earn the right to tell them your price. If you do it too soon, you're off the map. And that's where people are making mistakes. So they, it's all part of energy, conviction, confidence. It's all, all of it, it. It comes together, Charlie. And I know you get it. You've accomplished it. There's a lot of people that might be listening that they may not know how to build that or create that. So... That's why you guys like you and I exist. We're here to help these people. Exactly. And you know, people aren't aware of their full potential, what they're really possible of until... Uh, the way I explained to you was like, people just need confidence. Like a flywheel. It takes a lot to get it going, but as soon as it's moving, it's easier to go faster and faster and faster. Yeah. What if you're like in Canada and a snowball going down the hill, like takes a bit to get it moving. And then when it is going... It as it goes. Yeah. Hard to stop it. Most people, like if you listen to this right now, are afraid to, to push the snowball or start the flywheel. They're too afraid of what goes wrong. But I think people need to think about what goes right. Yeah, that that's an, that's definitely another piece that people are afraid of. They're afraid of their own potential, of how good of a or big of an impact that they can make on people's lives, and or making that kind of money. If there's one thing that I would love for people to really take in from this conversation is three words that I want people to say to themselves. I am worthy. I am worthy. You know how many people don't say that about themselves and they're their own block? Most times it's if they feel, if you're feeling, come back to this whole thing. I keep saying confidence, conviction, the energy that we have that attracts. If my energy is... I am not worthy. If that's what I'm feeling, 
You're absolutely right. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. If I am not worthy is how you feel, you're right. That's why sales aren't working. To finish up, one last question for you. If I came to you tomorrow and I was a sales partner, I was struggling to close calls, what would be the first tip you'd give me to um, improve? I'd say come practice. Honest to God, there's you have to come and practice because if you're struggling right now without the right practice, you'll keep developing and creating bad habits. It's as simple as that. And come practice live. Find yourself, if you said to me, even if it wasn't me, find a sales mentor who's been there, who's done it, and who helps people so that you can practice and then you can get the course corrections needed now. So if it's not me, that's fine. There's other sales trainers out there and other sales programs out there. The question becomes, where are you going to be able to get those live course corrections so that immediate action gets taken? Because you could, for example, I can go and watch a golfing video as opposed to getting a golf pro to actually watch my swing. You could watch the video. Are you going to be able to mimic it the right way so that you can then develop it into your own authentic swing? Because that's how it starts. There's that, I need to mimic it first, then make it my own. And I think the interesting thing is business is how many proverbial swings are you missing on calls that's costing you a lot of money? More than people realize. And it's not just money anymore, Charlie. It's also peace of mind. That feeling of freedom. Yeah. I I, I really feel for people because we get people that come into the program on verge of bankruptcy. And it's fun to be able to see people turn things around. More than more more now, it's like I, I like to say that I'm the guy that's helping people make a lot of money. It's great. It feels good to be able to say that. Um, where's the best place for anyone to find out with you, Joe? Find out you, Joe, get in touch or find out more about the sales, don't you? I, I would say because I think your audience is on Instagram, go to Instagram, Coach Joe Marku. If you're on LinkedIn, that's that's my top platform. However, Coach Joe Marku on Instagram or Joe Marku on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. This is always a pleasure. We'll no doubt do another episode soon. So everyone listen to this, make sure you leave us a five-star review, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and drop in the comments below. Uh, and we'll see you next episode very soon. And a big thank you to Joe. <laughs>